Our scripture reading this morning is from 2 Samuel. David sang to the Lord the words of this song when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. He said, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold, my refuge and my savior from violent people who say, you save me. I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise and have been saved from my enemies. The waves of death swirled about me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I called out to my God. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came to his ears. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Thank you so much, Mel. Hello, everyone. Good morning. It is a joy to be able to speak with you today and share with you. Um, if I haven't had a chance to meet with you yet, my name is Kristen. I'm part of the teaching team here at Elevation. Um, some things I would like for you to know about me. Um, I'm married to Dwayne. Uh, we have been married for almost 16 years. We have a daughter, Noelle, who's 10, and a son, Nathan, who is 6. Um, and we moved to this area back in 2015. Before that, we lived all over the states from the west coast over to the east coast until my Canadian husband decided it was time to import us here to Canada. And um, we like to say when he got to the border, they asked him if he had anything to declare. And uh, he declared his love for us by bringing us to this wonderful country. <laughs> Um, I'm also a missionary kid. I come from a long line of missionaries, going all the way back to my great-grandparents. I come from a family of missionaries, pastors, teachers. Uh, I only do one of those three things. I'm not a missionary. I'm not a pastor, but I am a teacher, and I am currently a PhD student um, over at University of Waterloo. So um, this month, we've been talking about place. Um, Brandon set up this series for us to look at how God encounters this, his people in concrete places that then become symbolic for us in our walk with Jesus. We began by looking at how God has encountered his people in the promised land, then how he encounters us in the temple, how he encountered his people in the upper room at Pentecost, and today I'm sharing with you about how God has encountered us as a place of refuge. As I prepared for this message, I decided I'd try to read all the verses in the Bible that make reference to refuge. Here's some fun facts for you. The word refuge appears 88 times in the Bible. I did not get through all of those 88 times. 87 of the times, it appears in the Old Testament. And out of those 87 times, 42 times, the word refuge appears in the Psalms. 
And there's one person who uses the word refuge more than anyone else in the Bible. Can you guess who it is? It's David. King David. Yeah. If you know anything about the life of David, uh, you'll know that this is a man who understood what it means to be in need of refuge. I want to walk with us today through the story of David, and I want to look at how and when he uses this word refuge, how and when he refers to God as his refuge, to see what we can learn about God as our refuge. So let's start the story with David and Goliath. This is probably the most famous story about David, the one that we're most familiar with. A young boy defeats a giant with a single rock, a sling, and God's name is his banner. And the king of Israel... Uh, Saul was so impressed with David. He himself was too terrified to face Goliath, but he was so impressed with David that 1 Samuel says he essentially kidnapped David. He wouldn't let him go home after that. He kept him with him. And everything that he gave uh, David to do, David was more and more successful. He did it really well until Saul decided to make him a commander in his army. And as it turns out, David is very, very good at war. And so he became quite famous. He became so famous, in fact, that the Israelites wrote a song. And every time the Israelite army would come back from war, Saul and David would be bringing them home, and the women would come out into the streets and they would sing, Saul has killed his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. Saul was not too happy with this. And the roots of jealousy began to take place in his heart. If it wasn't bad enough that the subjects, Saul's subjects were falling in love with David, Saul's own household was falling in love with David. Saul's oldest son, Jonathan, was so enamored with David that he was willing to give up his rightful place on the throne of Israel for David. And he was willing to even lay down his life for David. Um, Saul's daughter, Michael, was also falling in love with David, and she eventually went on to marry David. So it seemed no matter where Saul turned, no matter what he did, there was David just being awesome and making everybody fall in love with him. And finally, Saul lost his mind with jealousy, and he bent all his will on killing, trying to kill David. And it got so bad that eventually Jonathan, Saul's oldest son, helped David to escape the palace. And David spent several years after that on the run from Saul. Saul persistently hunting and pursuing him. And we have, um, I think, a, a picture here of all the places that Saul chased David. And David was a refugee. He was fleeing for his life. And he had to find cover in caves, in the wilderness, in fields, anywhere he could um, to try to be safe from Saul. Still, Saul pursued him mercilessly. And I think this is where we gain our first insight um, about what refuge means. We learn from David that we need refuge when there is a clear and present danger. We need refuge when there is a clear and present danger. David sings in 2 Samuel 22.3, God is my stronghold, my refuge, and my savior. From violent people you save me. David needed God to save him from an active and a violent threat against his life. When I read the story of David fleeing for his life and so desperately in need of refuge, I can't help but think about the worldwide refugee crisis that we're in right now. 
Here are people who truly know what it means to run for their lives and to be in need of refuge. Here are people who are coming into our country, into our city, into our even elevation community who know all too well what it means to be stalked by danger. The United Nations Refugee Agency has compiled these statistics at a glance. You can see some of the numbers here. According to these numbers, there's 22.5 million refugees worldwide. The top three exporters of refugees are South Sudan, Afghanistan, and Syria. And the top three hosting countries are Turkey, Pakistan, and Lebanon. I'm so grateful to be a part of this community here at Elevation because we are intentionally working to meet the needs of refugees that are coming into our area. Many of you know that every year we participate in Ride for Refuge to help raise funds for refugees coming into our area. Um, Courtney Greaves helps to lead uh, groups in our community that are sponsoring and resettling refugees into the area. Uh, and then last week we heard about Gordon, Sharon, Skopnik and the work they're doing with South Sudanese refugees. I want to add here too that I think every family in our midst that is fostering or adopting children is also in the work of caring for refugees, children whose lives are in danger. Today, as you have heard, happens to be Mission Sunday, and during our discussion time this morning, Mel Martin and our missions team are going to have prepared a time for us to learn about um, the many ministries that we can participate in here at Elevation. These ministries allow us to be the body of Christ on earth to provide refuge for those in need. We as a church are a tangible refuge for those in trouble. And the story of David teaches us that we do this because God is a refuge for us. But how? How is God a refuge in our times of trouble? Well, let's go back to the story of David and see what we learn. We don't know for certain how many years David was on the run, but some biblical scholars have dated some of the events in 1 Samuel, and their best guess is around seven to eight years that David was running from Saul. And during that time, David had two opportunities where the tables turned, and he could have killed Saul and ended the insanity of, of it all. The first time happened uh, when Saul was chasing David, and um, they were out in the wilderness, and as will sometimes happen when you're in hot pursuit of someone, Saul had to stop to relieve himself. Nature was calling, and he found a cave, but it happened to be the cave that David and his men were hiding in. And right in that moment, while Saul was indisposed, David's men said to him, look, God has delivered Saul into your hands. Now's your chance. Kill him. And David said, no, no, I can't kill him. He's God's anointed. God has made him the king of Israel. Who am I to kill God's anointed? So he let him live. And then it happened a second time. A second time Saul was chasing David and pursuing him. And then he took a break, took some time. They set up camp. Saul went to sleep that night and his guards weren't doing their job. So David and his men were able to sneak into the camp, even into the very tent where Saul was sleeping. And David's men said to him again, look, here's the second time God has delivered Saul into your hands. Kill him. And David refused to do it. He said, no, this is God's anointed. God will take care of him. He said, either Saul's going to die or he's going to be killed in battle, but God will take care of him, not me. And so he let him live a second time. And here's where I think we learn the second thing about refuge from David's story. 
David refused to be his own refuge, and he chose instead to trust that God would be his refuge even in the midst of danger. So how? What does it mean for God to be our refuge in the middle of an onslaught, in the middle of the threat and the danger? Rabbi Chaim Bentor asked this question in his study of Psalms 46.1. Psalms 46 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Rabbi Bentor writes, this sounds good, but my question is, how does this refuge, strength, and help come about? We're going through trouble all the time, and I see many who find no shelter or refuge or help. He asks a worthy question, doesn't he? How was David able to walk away from Saul, allow the danger to persist, and yet say, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. Well, let me make this personal for a moment. It has not been lost on me just how incredibly timely this message has been for me during this season. As I mentioned before, I'm a PhD student, and I just began my program this past fall, and it has been a real delight. I waited 10 years to be able to get my PhD, and being on campus, spending my days learning, reading, writing, thinking deeply about things has just been a complete gift. But in the middle of this season, there's also been ugliness. You see, almost from my first week in the program, I began being harassed by a fellow male student. Now, statistics are right, I'm not alone. 81% of women in this room have experienced harassment in the workplace, and 43% of men have too. Harassment is the presence of unwanted attention, full stop, the end. This unwanted attention creates a toxic environment, not just for you, but for those around you. The presence of harassment means that you censor what you say and you do. It means every time you walk into a room, you're scanning on high alert to see if your harasser is there. You feel anxious and distracted. You're afraid to attend meetings or events where you know this person will be present. You're worried about what and how this person might be able to impact your reputation. Um, when you see this person accidentally in the hallway or on the sidewalk, you stop, you turn, and you go the opposite direction. Harassment, in short, makes us function like prey, like those who are hunted. We feel unsafe in environments where we want nothing more than to thrive. Now, I don't want you to worry about me, because the university is aware of what's going on, and they've been working and doing really great work to help protect me and hold this young man accountable for his behavior. But it has been eight months of facing this harassment and trying to learn how to navigate it. It's been eight months of feeling unsafe and anxious, wondering if and how this particular person might be able to damage my reputation in the program or influence those in authority over me. In short, I have been in need of a refuge. And I have been working through what it means for God to be my refuge in the midst of this season. Well, Rabbi Bentor goes on to offer an interpretation of what he thinks it means for God to manifest himself as a refuge in the midst of trouble. In order to do this, he looks at the Hebrew word for refuge, which is hasa. He breaks down the three Hebrew characters that make up the word. The first character indicates that God becomes our refuge when we join ourselves with him and receive a revelation from God. The second Hebrew character shows that this joining ourselves with God and receiving a revelation from him will come through our memories, 
as David tells us, forget not the past. We look at how God has brought us through the past, and this will assure us that he will not let us down today. The last letter represents the presence of God. And so Rabbi Ben Torah says this, so refuge is the joining of ourselves with God by thinking on the past faithfulness of God and receiving a revelation from God surrounded by his presence. I think the Jewish faith does a really good job of this. They have built into their services daily, monthly, annual rituals that help remind them of who God has been to them in the past. For example, how he chose them as his people, how he led them out of Egypt, how he led them to the promised land. And in our Christian tradition, we have something that functions in much the same way to remind us of what God has done for us in the past and who he is in our lives now. It was called Testimony Night. I remember as a kid going to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And from, from time to time, Sunday night and Wednesday night would be Testimony Night. Um, during this time, we'd spend an hour or two listening to one another's stories about how God had been faithful to us during that week, how he had shown up, how he had helped a certain difficult situation resolve, how he had provided money that hadn't been counted on, and how he had changed hearts. For me as a child, listening to these testimonies was mesmerizing. I was hearing the narrative of how this Jesus didn't just live in the pages of my Bible, but was alive and active and present and showing up in the homes of my friends. I was learning through other people's experiences that God is faithful, that he is personal, and he is powerful. Those of you who were with us last week heard Brandon share his testimony of a powerful experience he had in the presence of God that surpassed his understanding but was real and life-changing. And in that moment, when he shared this testimony, he provided a place of refuge for all of us. He helped us to remember that not only is God powerful and personal, but he is still moving and working today. So how does God manifest himself as refuge to us in times of trouble? Through our memories and through our testimonies. But our testimonies aren't testimonies if we don't have a community to share them with. So we need to tell our stories to one another. We need to tell our stories to ourselves and to each other. We need to remind ourselves of the times when God has been faithful to us in the past and how he is continuing to be faithful. Duane and I often say to each other, nothing with God is arbitrary. This is our sort of tagline, nothing with God is arbitrary. Um, because we have learned in our 16 years of marriage that there are things that have happened in the past that we didn't quite understand, but when we turned around and looked at it, we realized that God was weaving it all together for our good. And this is how we share our testimony with one another. Nothing with God is arbitrary. In these walls, in these communities, we can offer each other a refuge. One of the ways that God has provided this refuge to me during this season is through my small group. What a weight off my shoulders to be able to share with them what has been going on and to have them pray with me, to have them send me encouraging text messages, to send me scriptures. When we share our testimonies and when we pray with one another, we manifest the other Hebrew word for refuge, which is hagah, to surround and to gather. Picture a festival where participants gather and dance in a circle or a place that is encircled by a wall. Hagah also means a cleft in a rock. Do you all know that old hymn, Rock of Ages? It says, Rock of Ages, cleft for me. Um, let me hide myself in thee. 
When we share our testimonies and remind ourselves and each other of God's faithfulness, his mighty power and his ability to work and move in our lives, we're circling up. We're stretching out our arms wide and we're holding hands and we're creating a space where those of us who are so badly in need of refuge can rest. We are reminding each other that God is the rock of ages and we can hide ourselves in him. As we wrap up today, I want to share with you my testimony. Last week as I was driving to campus worried about this harassment issue, I was listening to one of my favorite bands, Need to Breathe. They're a Christian band, but not all their music is necessarily worship music. And one song in particular was playing. I think they actually wrote it for their wives, but the lyrics made me think of God. And this verse came on. You're the true north pointing back home. You're the constant, my constellation. You're the steady hand of a ticking talk that I've come to rely on. And I don't know what it was specifically about this song, but suddenly I was transported. I was no longer sitting in the car, but I was being embraced by these big arms that just wrapped me up in love. And that love created a spacious place all around me where the harassment and the anxiety couldn't reach me. It wasn't a feeling per se. It was more like the veil was lifted and I suddenly saw reality. I saw the situation as it really is. I am loved. God is wrapping me up and holding me and my heart is safe. That image has stayed with me all week and I keep returning to it. God is my refuge. My heart is safe. I can face the trouble because anything that's going to get to me first has to go through the loving, powerful arms of my heavenly Father. Amen? How does the story end for David? Well, he called it. Saul ultimately killed himself. He was injured in battle, and he didn't want the Philistines to find him, so he fell on his own sword. And just like that, the years of running came to an end for David. David went on to become the next king of Israel, but then the threats didn't end. David's life was frequently in danger as other kings and kingdoms sought to kill him and capture Israel. And even later in his life, David had to run for his life from his own son, Absalom, who wanted to try to capture the throne from him. Yet still in the midst of a life spent facing enemies and danger, David wrote a song that has testified throughout the ages of God's faithfulness. He sings loud and clear to us down through the centuries, hemming us in with his own testimony, providing refuge for us when we are feeling threatened and anxious. He says, he reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for being our refuge. Thank you for the ways that you are still moving, still active, still present, still faithful, still powerful, and still personal even today. And I pray this week you would open up opportunities for us to tell our stories, to share our testimonies, to hear from one another so we can be reminded of how you are actively working in our lives and our community today. Lord, I pray as we go out today and to our mission Sunday uh, that you would be close to our hearts as we listen to um, the testimonies being shared during the discussion time about the ways in which we can help participate in creating refuge for those who are physically in need 
around us. We'll thank you and praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So as you all make your way to the discussion time, I just want to remind you that there's the linger and pray with a pastoral team. And George, did you say to meet up here for that if you want to pray? Okay, and then maybe lead us to another place. Thank you so much.